I've been starting my morning with a great dose of human connection. I've been listening to Liz and part of your title involves King, which which I think is an is a perfect description because she's been in business for about 10 years and has been meeting online for since way before COVID. And we've just been having this lovely conversation about um, about what COVID did to her business. And I'm really excited to hear about your full portfolio of all the events you've been doing, Liz. And uh, I'm just uh, enjoying enjoying this so far. So I, I'd love to hear, Liz, like how do you describe your expertise within this events industry? Well, you know, I think my unique niche, I think, is um, technology. I love technology. I'm that geek, the tinkerer. But specifically, even within that, because there are a lot of people who talk about technology, it's kind of that practical everyday use. So I don't have, I don't typically encourage our clients even to use, you know, multiple cameras and multiple things and special mics and, you know, the basic stuff that you need. And so I'm all about that user experience. So um, I, my husband is the geek. He looks at tons of stuff. He sends me a billion things. And out of that, probably 1%, I'm like, oh, I, I could see that used in the events industry. And that's really what I talk about. Um, however, our clients say that really the benefit of working with us is about the communication and knowing that we know what we're doing on the planning side. We know the process. We're in it to do it the most efficiently technology we use for our benefit, not just for, you know, engagement and things like that. And so being able, you know, what we hear is that we communicate really clearly and they can trust us. And so they don't really talk about the technology, <laughs> which I guess is when it's working well, that's what happens. The technology falls into the background and really it's about the totally. service that people get. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. And, uh, you know, I used to be someone who believed that technology and human connection were at odds. And I mm -hmm. think what you have to tell us and, and the listeners, and, you know, we're all so passionate about creating human connection is that it's not true. Like we can use technology to improve our connections, improve engagement in the event. And you've been doing this for like you've been using technology in this way way before mass adoption in COVID. Is that right? Yeah. Since, um, I mean, I've been using technology since I logged on to AOL and there were no <laughs> friends because no one I knew was on there. So talk about a lack of human connection, but really I, I was really immersed in middle school and high school with chatting and chat rooms and, uh, you know, all these like messenger apps and things like that. And over the years, I, I think it's the introvert in me. It's much easier for me to kind of like be behind a computer and send a message when it's convenient. But also I've really come to understand that relationships are based on touch points. Uh, we all have those friends. I have those friends that you're like, we don't see each other except for every 10 years. And it's just like, we never left. Except really, if you're being honest, it's not like it's not like you never left because you're missing huge chunks of each other's lives unless you have something like social media to fill you in on, you know, the kids that get braces and the other thing that's going on with her husband and the thing that's going on. If you don't have all those little touch points, whether that comes through social media or through a text message or whatever, you're not as connected. And some of the best relationships you have end up being the ones where you know what's going on in their life. And uh, through doing that, 
that's really how my business gets business and how I've been in business for 10 plus years is doing that with even industry people. Um, obviously not to the same extent as my best friends, but keeping in touch and using technology to foster those connections. And uh, yeah, I mean, without that, I-, I couldn't go to that many networking events and meet that many people. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. I love that you bring this up. And I actually, I published an article that goes against what you just said, but I, I love that you're you're sharing this because it, it's relevant to something that was shared with me recently. And this is one of the five reasons or, or five greatest regrets of people on their deathbed. Hmm. And it's called, and it is, I regret not having kept in touch with my friends. And I think there's like a, a compulsive, unhealthy level of keeping sure. in touch, right? Like the the teenagers sure. we see, they're on Snapchat and yeah. they, they just can't, they're glued to their phones. They're glued to a low fidelity, low uh, health benefit way of touching, right? Like um, there's text communication, then there's uh, you know, phone calls. And then finally, there might be a, a high empathy video call. And that's, that's really what I'm going for is like, how do I increase the health benefits of those touch points versus like, oh, I'm going to make a comment on their post. And like, I'm going to sure. be on my phone making hundreds of comments, right? <laughs> um, I want to jump into your long career and, uh, you know, here today, you're, you're quite a thought leader in this space. You run a conference about event technology. My friends have spoken at the conference. I'm really curious. Can you share with us one virtual event or uh, event that really inspired you as an event producer? And what was it about that event? So I think, I mean, I've, been blessed to uh, produce lots of different kinds of events, but one of the ones um, that I've done in during COVID, um, which was a new client that we worked with, was around maternal health. And um, I mean, we've done like very fancy events, we've done very fun events. This one was a pretty nuts and bolts event. You know, it's uh, a conference that has traditionally been in person. They've moved it online because of COVID. They're back in person. Um, But there was something about, it was in partnership with the CDC, and it was something about the way that they truly valued humans. Uh, This is something you totally would have loved. Every phone call in the planning process was, it it was about the people on the call. It was about the work. Yes, of course. But there were all these touch base, you know, how are you? What are you doing? Very honest, you know, uh, me and other clients were saying, I have my two kids here. I got pick up at this time. And it was, uh, I really have found this love, you know, as I became a mother myself in the last three years, um, connecting with other mothers and realizing, especially from a business standpoint, what that really looks like. And, you know, we all have laughed at like the Zoom call where the kid comes running in the background. For moms, that's all the time. It's not just like the one time it happened to get caught. And so anyway, it was there's the, no break topic. from being a mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, no break, literally. Uh, but the topic around maternal health and really opening my eyes to how many disparities there are in that topic, you know, just being a Caucasian woman who was having children at the time, I'm like, oh, this is a thing. Oh, my God, it's a huge thing. And really realizing 
the racial differences, the economic differences and what that means for the outcome of their babies. Like that's insane to me. So, you know, probably it was the timing, the way the client worked and then the content. And really it was a lot of intention around small breakouts, discussions. It wasn't a lot of that, like we're pushing out content and you're going to sit and watch it for two days. Can, can I emphasize um, a few yeah. things you've shared? The first is it seems like you really enjoyed working with this team mm -hmm. uh, because the team had a deeper purpose that they really believed in. Um, and then the second thing I want to emphasize is just the, like what people are coming to the event with, like there's just this, this deeper context. It, it has to do with our, our thriving and our personal life. And I, I could, I can see how, that purpose for the event versus like an advertising conference. Um, there's just something much more uh, belonging focused, vulnerability focused, just uh, tender there. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, like so much of the event is determined by, you know, what, how do we shape our guests perception of the purpose of the event? And it sounds to me like, given the the context of this event, people are coming with this this particular attitude and um it's it's different than at a lot of like networking events where it's business focused, right? Yeah, I mean one of the most interesting events uh that we did alongside that was a community cat summit. <laughs> it was virtual, something that they probably couldn't have put together in oh person. My gosh. And when I first heard about it, I was thinking like, what does CAT stand for? Because I'm so used to working with these associations and large organizations. I'm like, wait, these are people who really care about the cats in their community. Like, what is going on? And sure enough, I mean, similarly, the people who come really care about this topic. They're there to talk, they're there to learn. And it just, it takes it away from like continuing ad credits. Did you make sure I checked in and checked out? You know, <laughs> I, I've realized that, you know, there's, there is that kind of event production, but where I really thrive and where I really love working is in these places where people really care about the topic and they're, the technology brings them closer. You know, yeah. we are hired for virtual event production. That was the job description for both of those. Really at the end of the day, my takeaway and theirs really had nothing to do with technology. And that's really where I think it, that's a success, you know, is if at the end of the day, you come away thinking about the great conversations that you had and you forget who was in the back or how we did all the <laughs> moving yeah. and to make it happen. There's, there's two things I want to say about that. I, I think that, you know, with the, this cat event, the community, the existing community must've already been so strong. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like, when I'm creating an event, I need to think about what is the existing state of this community that I'm bringing together? Is there, is there already a strong bond and is the purpose of this community strong enough to, to bring these people together? And so I, I'm just, you know, from an event producer standpoint or a community builder standpoint, uh, it, it's much easier to have a, an incredible peak peak event experience when that existing community exists and we we just kind of assemble them and they they love each other and they're showing each other yeah. their cats and all the different you know uh cat paraphernalia <laughs> is that the right word to use maybe <laughs> um the other thing that i uh that i really want to emphasize is this idea of being behind the scenes and this is one of the things i'm trying to cultivate in my leadership like silent leadership where 
it's essentially about putting the spotlight on others, um, but having a framework and, and plan around uh, facilitating, you know, different people coming on stage and, and being vulnerable and having fun. Uh, but it's not about showing off. It's not about my reputation. It's not about me taking up space. It's, it's about shining light on the attendees and just being totally uh, invisible, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's my aspiration as a facilitator, but I, I still think that when people see me, they, they get this like emotional contagion effect and it, it elevates them and it helps them, uh, you know, come, come more alive and like have more fun. Uh, but I, I do want to get to this place where I can like just disappear and, uh, it's and like, I'm there. I'm just right? not that personality. I remember one client <laughs> said, I love your energy. And I was like, what energy? What are you talking about? And then at the end of working with her, she's like, you know what? I know what you mean when you, we had that first conversation. She's like, your energy is just, it's kind of what you're talking about. I'm in the background. Like I'm going to be steady no matter what happens. The world could be falling down. And I'm like, so what are we doing now? The next step is this, <laughs> according to our plan, you know, very steady, but you know, and it was funny because she's the kind of personality that you are, where it's just like energy and, you know, and when she said that to me, I laughed. I'm like, I, I don't think. And at the end, it was funny to find that clarity where she was like, oh, I see, you know, what I like about you is that you're very stable. You know, I'm not the person who walks in the room and the room lights up. I'm the person who like, oh, she was here. <laughs> it's just a personality thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, it, you know, going back to maternal health, it's probably... <laughs> It's probably how much attention we got from our, our parents, <laughs> not know. to go too know. psychological there. <laughs> um, I'd love to ask if you have uh, specific tools or practices that you use to create joy in, in an event audience. Um, is there something that you apply consistently or something you'd recommend event producers do to, to create more joy in their audience? in there? Um, well, there's a lot, but, uh, some of the things that come to mind are, you know, the human connection, obviously creating space for, and, and by that, I mean, time and physical space for people to have a meaningful connection. And I do think from that introvert standpoint as well, like, what does that look like when you go into a big room and there's lots of people, how do you create those connections and make it easy for people who would otherwise choose to stand in the corner or look at their phone or something? And, can, uh, can you so describe how you would do that? That, because I love that so much, uh, taking into account the the different, the diversity in the room. Is there something you do specifically there? So um, I think it's about curating for those audiences. So there's a lot of curation around um, how people can network. So I'm a big fan of like, for example, years ago, we got rid of coffee breaks at our conferences and instead made really long lunches. <laughs> and so we would have like a two hour in the middle of the day, which most people would say, don't do that because your whole audience will leave. Well, not if you really focus on that time and create different experiences. So you can go into an open room and have lunch at a buffet and hang out. Or you can go into these micro rooms where they're set up by topic and the food is served to you and you're sitting with six people and that's all you get. And so if you can think about creating different experiences that people can opt into 
based on their comfort level. And this is one of the things I love about virtual is that you can do it so much more easily. You can have 20 rooms for, you know, one button <laughs> yeah, and not pay for all these different F and B costs. And, you know, so really thinking through from beginning to end, you know, what does that experience look like for the different kinds of people who would attend? And as it's a, a combination of the curated experience and the communication, right? So like if people get there and they have to look on the app to figure out like, where am I going? What am I doing? What are the options? That's too much work. I really love, I don't know if you've seen the StoryCraft Lab experience profiles that they've been doing. Um, I love what they're doing and the idea that like, I am a connector. And so here's, you know, the top sessions that are going to make sense for me as that yeah. kind of a learner. Do, do you want to share how these profiles have been useful for you? And and maybe we can, uh, we can send some people there to do it. I haven't done it yet, sure. but I've oh, heard about to. it. What, what are you and uh, how have you found it useful? So you essentially take a quiz. People love to do these quizzes and it just talks about like how you take in information and how you like to connect with other people. And at the end, it gives you, you know, you are a fill in the blank. And honestly, I can't even remember what mine is because I, my brain just doesn't work like that. But um, it tells you, you are an explorer or you are a creator. I think I was a creator actually, now that I say that. Um, and so what happens is on the event organizer side, we've used it. So you set this up, you can use their standard quiz or you can customize it. And then you get these results. So you say like, wow, you know, 40% of the people attending like to have these curated lunch experiences. That would be something that would really speak to people. And so you can design your event around who's attending. And then on the attendee side, you can go ahead and tag all your sessions based on those tags based on those types. So a person could go in and get a curated list of maybe there's 50 sessions at this event, but here are the five that are going to mean the most to me. And, and it really helps you think as an organizer around what that experience looks like. So do you want all your speakers speaking at people or do you need a certain amount where there's an interaction, where there's not a speaker at all and it's curated by the attendees? Knowing that in advance, especially for these events that happen year after year, you've got to get that data. Who is attending your event and what do they like? How do they learn and how can you design for your attendees? Um, I think it's genius. I mean, it's very simple. Ask, I don't know, it asks like 10 questions and yeah. it gives you so much information on both sides. I love that. Yeah. This is this is like my dream, my dream. And you mentioned it, like the the communication beforehand is so important. Well, like the step up from being a really good communicator before your event is actually surveying your guests before they show up, and then yeah. surprising them and 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 adjusting the experience for them. And so knowing. Uh, knowing one's community enables you to create an event that people are readily going to participate and consent and, and consent to, right? Um, yeah. I want to, uh, I want to ask you about your own community in life. I mean, you have this career in, in the events industry and you said, you said to me that you're more behind the scenes, but I'm, I'm curious about your your life outside of your career and how you approach community or uh you know your relationships social life has it Im impacted you know how you approach community in your own life i think so what's I, I think what's interesting about me especially over the past few years and having children is that i've always been a highly curated community person you know i am very cautious about 
who I spend time with. And now, especially having children who my children spend time with. And so I feel like I'm constantly curating and I'm also a planner. So um, whether it's my son's preschool or our church or neighbors, I'm the one who's putting together like, Hey, we're having this thing. And then while it's happening, probably too much, I'm dissecting like every little conversation that's happening and what someone's being exposed to and what something. And then from there, I'm like, okay, the next event has half of you, (laughs) you know, and, but it is very similar to what I think we need to be doing in events, especially post COVID, uh, you know, I think pre-COVID, as much as I didn't want to see it happening, it was always like bigger. The guarantee of success is that this year was 10% bigger than last year. And this year is 5% bigger than the year before. It's like, that's not the goal. The goal should be constantly cleaning out your audience for the purpose of making it the most impactful for the people who are part of it. I remember years ago, we just like unsubscribed our newsletter list. We had over 10,000 people on our newsletter. And I was like, if you really want in, click this button. And if you don't, that's totally cool. We're just going to remove you. And people thought it was crazy, but it makes a lot of sense in my opinion to really be intentional about who you're spending your time with, especially on social media where you're seeing it like all the time, but in person, you know, I think it's a more impactful uh, engagement when you're seeing someone in person. And so it matters more to be really curated about like how you're spending your time and who you're spending your time with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the the key word here is curation. And I I advocate for everyone to do a social audit. Uh, Are there people in your life that are ambivalent friends Uh, and they they may not reciprocate? You know, like there's there's a bunch of ways to curate one's community. But um, I used to throw these big public sober parties with hundreds of people and they were totally open to all and they were sober events but some people showed up with alcohol and it 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 impacted the atmosphere at the event now what i advocate for as a community builder and event producer is scaling down Mm -hmm. scaling down my social life but also scaling down my community building and so now what i what i've discovered is I can have a peak experience with 10 people in my living room and it's so much more nourishing and there's so much more depth versus what I witness. And I was a medic at music festivals for five years. And what I witness at these giant festivals, which are totally glorified in Western culture, these big events like South by Southwest is um, everyone's just in a hyper distracted, rushed state. (laughs) Yeah, because there's so much going on and everyone's like FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, the big realization for me in 2022 is I want to create intimacy. I don't want to create merely connection. I want to create these these deeper connections that really nourish, nourish the soul. Right. Versus, uh, you know, I'm going to tell my friends about this because it was a cool experience. And I do think, you know, I've been talking about this a lot. I think the world is moving that direction. I think you are on the bleeding edge of it. And I think when you and I are talking about something like this, there are majority of people who are like, that's crazy. You guys are weird. (laughs) However, I really believe that in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a huge shift. I mean, social media, I think has swung the pendulum 
all the way to like so much information, so much noise, so much connection, so much engagement. And people, I think your, your soul is pulling back, whether you realize it, whether you're listening to it yet or not, every conversation I have with people is like, it's just a lot. I just want to tone it down a little, just, you know, and I really think we're going to start to see people say, it's not okay that you take all my data and do whatever you want with it. And just so that I could say, I didn't miss it. Not okay. You know, and I, I think it's going to be great for our society and for technology to really have some more boundaries put in and, but it has to be led by the people, you know, as long as mm-hmm. there are billions of people who are saying, yeah, do whatever you want with my TikTok information. Well, then they're going to do whatever they want, you know? Um, but I, I do think the pendulum is starting to pull back. We're like way, way at the top still, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that. And I hope you're right. I hope that we approach life from, from more of an essentialist perspective versus the, so. the more, <laughs> you know, bigger, stronger, faster, larger. Right. Yeah. Um, although, you know, these, these technologies, are designed to to indoctrinate us with with like more connection is better and and it's i just find it so ironic and ludicrous that the the initial promise of social media was to like combat loneliness and what it's done is the exact opposite because people people feel that even though they say connection 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 our children are dying by suicide in mass numbers because of loneliness. They're just, you, you see, we all know. I meet someone online. I have lots of conversations with them. I don't want them within a hundred miles of my home. I don't want them knowing where I live. I don't, I don't feel like that's a nourishing relationship. That just, it's, and for business, there are great purposes. I mean, Liz King Events as a company is a company because of Twitter. That's just the truth. You know, it's not because I was out there. It was before I had a company and people were saying, Hey, can we hire you? And I was like, it's just a Twitter handle. And then I realized might as well roll with this. So for, (laughs) for certain purposes, it's great. But if you think that that's where your value lies, or you think you're going to make all your relationships there and that's, those are the good relationships. It's just not true. And I think people really feel that again, whether they're listening to the urge to tune it out and to, be more intentional in person. We're not there yet, but I think we are getting there. Yeah. My optimistic view. Let's, let's take the <laughs> optimistic perspective. Why don't we end this with a final question about your practices, your life, you know, your mindset. Is there, is there something you do or is there something you practice in, in your individual life that helps you experience more joy um, and this is very broad, uh, but a behavior practice or habit that you'd recommend people try out. So I think it is in this, um, and it's, it's a, it's a practice. Like it's something I'm constantly refining and, and thinking about. Um, and it, it is throughout every area of my life, but really this idea of, uh, scaling down, <laughs> Uh, we're in the process of like cleaning out so much stuff that we've, you know, collected Uh, relationships, physical stuff, time, Uh, really thinking about what really matters to me at the end of the, when my life is over is my family 
the children that I'm raising, that they are good human beings that contribute to the world and not just, you know, manic, crazy <laughs> demons that run around the earth, but really that they are, you know, kind and that they care about the world that they live in. And, and so in order to do that, and I mean, having kids will uh, completely change. It just brings it all. You could talk about a lot of things, but then you have kids and you realize like what they're getting exposed to and you're like, okay, we have to take some action here. And so that's kind of where we're at. And it's, it's the joy comes in the elimination of stuff, whether it's conversations, people, things, and really realizing, you know, I just heard something last week and I, it's one of those, I don't even know where I heard it from, but he was saying, you know, we as humans are gifted with this fight or flight thing, you know, and you're supposed to kind of experience that as a human being in life like two or three times, like a bear is coming towards you and you're like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, but with social media and with everything that happens in the world, you're being exposed to that 500 plus times per day, you know, like, oh my God, this could happen. That could happen. That could happen. And so where I'm finding joy is in tuning out a lot of stuff that quite frankly is not my business. I don't need to know about it. It's not impacting me and my home, my town, my city, my, you know, I'm not talking about like stay in your house and don't do anything. You have to be aware of what's happening in the world and in your country, but to a healthy level. And so that's where I'm finding joy, which is a lot of less stuff, <laughs> but um, it work, it is working. <laughs> oh, Liz. Yeah. That, that resonates so much with me. And I am, uh, I'm really asking myself the question, what is, what information is worth consuming? What, what information is actually going to help me do something for my community right. or for my relationships versus what am I just doing just because it's a habit? It's just this habit of consumption. Or, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to become more of a minimalist in terms of what I own, but, uh, I think the key insight in what you've shared is just, uh, well, well, scaling down, but I, I think what resonated a lot with me is this information. It's like, how much information do we have time to just relax and not worry about something that's happening across the planet? Uh, I, I, yeah, I haven't been watching. I, I think just there's this, with the rise of TikTok, there's just been this massive increase in the consumption of media, which really concerns me. I don't think the brain is designed to consume so much information at the pace. Like if you look at the pace of TikTok videos and like the news, it's just like getting faster and faster. Yeah. And it's moving to like chat GPT where you can type in anything, get anything. And there's no source. There's no identification of like, where did that information come from? Who says it's true? Who's (laughs) no one's even asking. They're like, write me a paper, right? It could all be from who knows where, you know? So it's, it's become where there's so much information. You don't take the time to understand. Do I believe it? Is it true? Does it matter to me? And now to the point where like, no one's even asking, where does this information come from for chat GPT or for any of these AI things? That's a really dangerous, dangerous hill. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel so privileged to have earned a degree in science because I have this very, this, this critical thinking that was developed over many years of suffering sure. at university. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love for you to share anything else you want to share. Maybe it's a favorite quote, 
maybe it's an action that you'd encourage other community builders to take or uh, maybe something to, to check out online. Yeah, I'd love to leave the last words for you. Goodness. Um... I don't, I'm not usually good with last words. I would say at this point, you know, my best thing to say is to, you know, tune into your own core values, which is something I don't think anybody thinks about. But at the end of the day, you know, what's something that really brings you joy? This is a great question that you've asked, but where, where is the meaning in all of the things you're doing in a day, whether it's personal, professional, online, offline, what of that brings you meaning and where, where, it, where are you going? What do you want to do with your life? What impact do you want to make? And, and then bring all the things you're doing around that center around where it is that you find joy, you find meaning and where you want to go to make an impact. And as you eliminate all the rest, you can more easily tune into what that is and i i think people would be shocked by how much time they're spending i know i have been uh doing stuff that really doesn't matter it doesn't make you happy it doesn't bring you closer to the person that you're spending all this time with it doesn't it doesn't educate you you can say all you want i've learned so much on tiktok okay is it necessary that you know how to put you know a towel around a pot lid and clean your couch I don't think so. (laughs) I think really we need to just be much more intentional about everything in life, where you spend your time, how you spend it, who you spend it with. And our whole world, if we just, I saw a quote last week, if, if there was an entire generation of parents who just really loved their children, the whole world could be a better place. Like if that was the only thing you focused on, what could that world look like? So I guess that's where I'll end it. Let's let's just leave it with this, everyone. If there is a mother that you know that you can support, that will make society exponentially better. <laughs> exponentially. Starting with the um, workplace, but... <laughs> I think that the two key words, intentionality and uh, alignment, alignment with values. And thank you, Liz. This has been wonderful. And thank we'll uh, we'll send people to your wondrous thought leadership LinkedIn. Goodbye. (laughs)